Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. Support for today's episode comes from Benedictine University's Center for Values-Driven Leadership, where they offer a PhD program for senior executives who want to build strong, positive cultures that deliver exceptional performances. The unique curriculum combines academic rigor with insights you can put to work on Monday morning. Through the three-year program, you become an expert in the aspect of leadership you're most passionate about so you can have a transformative impact in your business, and on society. Find out how you can lead your company while you earn your PhD. Visit cbdl.ben.edu slash doctorate for more information or Google PhD Values Leadership. That's PhD Values Leadership. My guest today is Cornell Grigo, the CEO of Tasty Catering, a suburban Chicago-based corporate catering and event planning services company. He was born in Poland and came to live with his father in the U.S. when he was 10 years old. Cornell joined Tasty Catering over 10 years ago on the front lines and has recently taken over as CEO from the founder, Tom Walter. Cornell is the perfect combination of a values-driven learner and a values-driven leader. Welcome, Cornell. Thanks, Paul, for having me. Appreciate it. It's just so good to have you on, and, and uh, it's been great to have you part of the Small Giants community for the for these many years now. So I've gotten to know you well and watched your journey. Uh, incredible. Congratulations on, on recently being named the, the CEO of Tasty Catering. Um, for those that don't know, uh, talk a little bit about Tasty Catering. What do you guys do? Um, so as you said in your intro, Paul, we're located just outside of Chicago, a little bit, uh, about five minutes west of O'Hare. Um, which is the airport there. So um, we're just a catering company. You know, we do uh, normal events as is drop-offs down from box lunches, uh, um, you know, ranging from eight guests to, uh, you know, weddings, galas, fundraisers, company picnics. Uh, the biggest event we did was for about 6,000 people. So, um, you know, we consider ourselves a one-stop shop and, um, you know, we just love good food and providing um, you know, great service to our clients so they could enjoy themselves in the moments that they cherish the most. You know, I had the opportunity a number of times to visit you guys um, in your home office there and walk back into the kitchen and, and see people doing things and, and, and love how the place closes down at noon and everybody eats lunch together. Uh, just a, a wonderful culture that you guys have built there. So as a Caterer, there's got to be what thousands of caterers, uh, especially in the Chicago area. How do you guys stand out? Um, you're right. There's so many competitors, you know, from little mom and pop restaurants to kind of, you know, food trucks to, um, you know, big corporations, um, you know, just kind of um, what stands out is, like you mentioned, is our culture and our people. Um, you know, what gets me excited is a lot of reviews we have. They don't barely even mention our food. Um, it's, you know, our people. 
um, you know, great smiles, um, going above and beyond. Um, we have one gentleman, uh, Danny, we always laugh at him because, you know, we, he does a lot of events um, at people's houses and things like that. You know, he'll throw out their garbage, walk their dogs, and, you know, everybody fights over Danny. So, you know, our responsibility uh, from a leadership standpoint is, you know, how do we create more Dannys? And um, obviously we have a lot of those folks, but that's what we cherish and we continue um, kind of to make sure that we find the right people. Um, and that's kind of the biggest, um, I think, differentiator for Tasty Catering. And, um, you know, strategically as a leadership team, we kind of have a, you know, we're growing, um, kind of not rushing to grow. We're not expecting to grow as much. We just want to make sure we get the right people and so we can grow because, you know, scaling culture, scaling business is easy, but we want to make sure that we get the right people in place to be able to kind of, you know, preserve our culture. And that's my number one um, responsibility going forward is to make sure that we continue the culture and we find the right people. And um, if we do find the right people and when we find them, that's when we'll continue growing. Well, that's so unusual to hear, honestly, from a company whose focus is food, right? So uh, as a, a recent owner of a restaurant, I've also gotten this great feeling when you look at a review, because uh, we are kind of exposed to the public who can review the work that we do and see that they're really not talking about the wine or the food. They're talking about the people. And uh, so people should realize that no matter what business we're in, even if we're in a customer service focused business, even if we're in a, the food business where people uh, would normally hear you say, well, because the quality of our food is so good. You didn't mention that once. You talked about the experience that they have with people like Danny that work for the company. And you guys have put so much effort into building that incredible culture. Um, even so much as you guys were voted one of Forbes' top small giants in the country over the last couple of years. So just incredible accolades for what you've done. And now you're at the helm and get to lead that going forward. Um, I mentioned Tom Walter. Um, this is really a family business. So Tom's brothers were involved. His kids are involved in the business. Um, and Tom groomed you over the last couple of years, um, has stepped aside, although he's still involved in the business. Um, what was that like for you to be a part of really a very close family business as a guy from the outside coming in? How, do, how was it navigating those relationships? Um, I think that's what makes it unique and tasty that we're all considered family. And I know a lot of people say it. And, um, you know, just because you're not blood doesn't mean you're not family and vice versa. Just because you're blood, you don't get any different special privileges. And I think that's what I first learned working at Tasty, that just because you have the last name Walter doesn't give you any special privileges and vice versa. Just because your last name is not Walter doesn't mean you don't get the same opportunity. So, um, you know, we're all about and Tom, uh, Paul, you know, Tom well, so you know how he operates, you know, Tasty a lot. Um, well, and also obviously, you know, we're really in with the small giant community and we love it so um, you know we're all about people and progress and giving opportunities it doesn't matter you know race color gender anything like that we're just looking for great people and um, you know I'm an example of that you know I, I started 12 years ago as a delivery driver um, and you know here I am I still pinch myself and you know how hard it is for me um, to speak about myself it's just not my nature but um, you know it's just those opportunities that Tasty gave me and you know I think that's what 
made me want to continue with tasting. That's what made me fall in love is the people and the opportunities and, um, you know, kind of giving those opportunities to anybody who deserves it. So, um, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, what your last name is or what you do. It's how you perform and how the people react to you in the company. And, um, you know, that's been kind of the best kind of explanation I can give to Tasty about, you know, the family dynamic. Yeah, and that's a great explanation. Uh, I want to take you back now to uh, so we can learn about more what made, gave you this humility and this leadership that you've learned, obviously, over many, many years, and you continue to learn along the way. Um, you came over from Poland. I, I remember talking to you about this once. My dad came over from Poland when he was 10 years old, too, from Warsaw. So I just uh, that warms my heart to, to hear that you, you did that. But what were the circumstances that brought you here? And talk about kind of growing up, uh, any leadership influences, maybe from your parents, early jobs, things like that. Sure. Um, so when I was born in Poland in 85, Poland was still a communistic uh, country and the influence of Russia to about 89. So um, my dad, a couple months right after I was born, um, his dad, my grandpa was in U.S. and he was able to um, find a way to get my dad over to the U.S. So when since I was about three months old, um, my mom um, took care of my sister and I. And I think that was the first influence that I saw the hard work that she put in, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, taking care of two kids. Uh, my dad would send money and then, you know, he found another woman here and then they got divorced. So then kind of all that, um, you know, pressure was put on my mom to raise two kids and things like that. So I think from early on, just her work ethic and, um, you know, her positive attitude and can-do attitude is what really influenced me and um, kind of helped me create that work ethic. You know, she was always hard on me. She would always, you know, um, make sure that I do my chores, do everything that's um, expected of me. And also, you know, being a Poland, her parents, my grandparents from my mom's side and my dad both owned farms when we were growing up. So every summer or every opportunity we got, we spent time there. And, um, you know, it was kind of, if you grow it, you you kill it, you make it, then you eat. And if you don't, you don't. So it was kind of all hands on deck. And we would have our cousins, nephews, you know, uncles, aunts, everybody was there. And it was never like, hey, I don't want to do this. It's it's a necessity. So I think that's where my hard work established. And then over years, the plan was for my father, um, for me and my sister to come meet my father here because there's just better opportunities in the U.S. And, you know, we're all looking for the American dream, um, you know, the nice house with the white picket fence. So uh, when I was 10 in 95, my sister and I um, kind of emigrated here to the U.S. And um, my father, he had a construction business. And um, ever since I set foot in America, every single day, time, hour, you know, half hour I had free, he would always take me to work for it. And honestly, Paul, I would hate him for it. It's like, just give me <laughs> money shoes instead of paying me or making me do work. So, um, you know, now looking back at it, reflecting, I have a huge smile on my face. But obviously at that time, point in time, I'd rather go hang out with my friends. And, um, you know, we moved to Park Ridge, which is a fairly wealthy um, area and kind of, you know, a lot of my uh, friends, you know, they would play a lot of sports and do a lot of things that are not work. And I was the opposite. If I wanted to play sports and things like that, I would have to earn the money for it. So, um, you know, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my father back then. I still currently really don't have that relationship with him. But that's something that he always taught me that mm -hmm. um, the values of hard work and especially being, you know, uh, 
the owner's son is that it comes with the responsibility. And a lot of people view it as a privilege, like, hey, I can do anything I want. And he's been driving that point for me um, ever since, you know, like I said, it's ever since I was 10 years old. And he was always like, hey, you have to work twice hard because everybody's looking at you. You have to set the example. If you're slacking off, everybody's going to slack off. And, uh, you know, kind of continuing my journey and then, you know, stepping into Tasty Tom's always been that father figure. And that's something that he always uh, preaches to that, you know, leadership is not a um, you know, privilege. It's a responsibility. There's a lot of folks that depend on the decisions we make, and we're always being watched. So, you know, if we don't live up to the values and things that we preach, then, you know, you lose that respect from everybody else. So that's kind of what shaped, um, you know, my work ethic and my humility. And, um, you know, growing up, a lot of times people told me I was not good enough, that I couldn't do things because, you know, I wasn't born here and, um, you know, things like that. So that's always what drove my um, flyer and kind of got my um, competitive juices flowing and things like that and that continues to this day um, I'm pretty humble I'm pretty stoic I'm pretty even killed but um, you know I think uh, you know, those are kind of the influences on my past life where led me to the place I am and continue to um, kind of drive me to where I want to go yeah, so don't tell Cornell he's not good enough because watch out. Uh, uh, that's that's what's going to drive you. Any kind of early jobs or or experiences before coming to Tasty that also shaped your life? Well, just working with my dad and, you know, with those opportunities and, you know, responsibilities at, you know, 15 years old. I'll, I'll say 16 because maybe OSHA's listening, but, um, you mm-hmm. know— uh, my dad just gave me those a lot of responsibilities and I had to, you know, at 16 years old, I drove a pickup truck. I was the guy with the equipment. I had to meet the crew on site and um, just giving me those opportunities and those learning lessons where I rather honestly at 16 go hang out with my friends and do bad things than go to work with him. But, you know, every single um, dollar I needed from him, he made me earn it. And, um, you know, that's kind of the influence I have, that hard work rolling up your sleeves, especially being a leader in a leadership position and, you know, kind of in a family business as well that, you know, it doesn't matter your last name. It doesn't matter who you are. You just have to, you know, get the work done and you have to work as hard, if not harder than everybody else to set that example, because if you slack off, people are going to, you know, watch you and they're going to do the same. So it's just kind of those um, stories. Mm-hmm. Plus, um, after high school, I went to UIC for a semester, and I was a little troublemaker at the end of high school and a little bit in college, so I kind of flunked out, and I was like, um, and right around that time, my father's business started weighing, and our relationship kind of uh, went south, too, so then I kind of I went to work for a bank, and uh, that's not a positive experience, and no offense to any bankers, but I was the teller mm-hmm. making 850 and commuting about an hour each way, you know. So after you know adding up all my um, you know expenses versus what I was making, they kind of opened up my eyes, saying, "Hey, maybe this is not the best career path for me." Um, so that's when I decided, after about six months working at the bank, saying, "Hey, I need to go back to UIC." Um, so at that time, I was friends with Karen Walter, who is a niece of um, Tom. And she works currently right now for our sister company, Euphoric. But, um, you know, so I was kind of um, dating her at the time. And then I told her, hey, I want to go back to school. I'm looking for um, a job that's really flexible with my schedule because, you know, I need to work 40 hours. I need to support myself and I need to um, be able to go to school. And that's where she said, hey, at the time she worked at Tasty. So she said, hey, you know, my uncles own this company. They're looking for delivery drivers. They're really good about 
continuing education and they're great with people. Um, they have cool core values. You know, at first I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody says that they have stuff <laughs> on the walls just to, you know, attract people in there. Once they get you in there, it changes. But, you know, that's how I got my foot in the door. And I was working about 40 hours, you know, sometimes 50, depending on season, going to school full time. And, um, you know, I just fell in love with this place. And, um, you know, here we are 12 plus years later. And, um, you know, um, the CEO of the company is still surreal, still um, you know, have to pinch myself and, um, you know, but it's a lot of responsibility and, uh, you know, um, I'm glad for that opportunity, but I know I have to work just as hard as I did um, in this role that brought me to this role. So. Can you think of uh, maybe an unexpected learning from an unexpected source somewhere along the way? Wow. Raul. Uh, Raul is still our delivery driver, but, um, you know, uh, you can hear him whistling throughout the building um, and it's hard work. Um, you know, he's not the greatest in speaking English. He's about four foot tall. Obviously, I'm being a little facetious, but he's mm-hmm. a short guy and he's just always positive attitude and working hard. And it's just, you know, when I first started, um, he was one of the guys that was training me and I just couldn't believe, you know, that energy is like the energizer bunny it's like you know he never stops moving he never stops working and i think that's been another influence on me it's just that you know if he can do it why can't i do it and you know he's shorter he doesn't speak that well of english and he was also an immigrant and um you know so if he can be successful he can be a great asset to the company why can't i do it and um you know Keeping up with him, it was tough, but it's, you know, it was a challenge of it. So I really think, you know, he's been a great influence on me. Well, when you came as a, as a delivery driver, started driving the trucks, and then eventually started moving up in the organization, uh, at what point did you uh, look for something new or something bigger? Or, or what was it like where they recognized this guy really has potential to do something more. How did, how did that really come about? Because, you know, there's a big uh, difference between being a delivery driver and now running the company. Mm. I think it's just my, you know, I want more. And I think that goes back to kind of being doubted as a, um, you know, younger person or whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I just had that fire. So I always, you know, and I always wanted the biggest delivery. I wanted the biggest picnic. I wanted the biggest job so I can prove to myself that I can do it and I can execute it. So I think, you know, by my willingness and my desire to always step up to the challenge is what, you know, they identified me. And, um, you know, I did about two and a half, three years at UIC, and it was about six months before I was graduating when, you know, I started having conversations with um, uh, my manager or leader at the time, which was Katie, um, saying, hey, you know, I'm, I love this company. I really want to stay here. Obviously, you know, I, you know, I'm going to school. I'm getting a degree in uh, business, and, you know, I love making deliveries, but, you know, I need to take that next step financially and responsibility-wise. And. Um, you know, and they found a spot for me. So I think, you know, just by my work ethic and also my drive is what, you know, made me kind of, and the respect I earned, I think, you know, by my work ethic and, uh, you know, a lot of the employees at Tasty saw that and they followed it. And, you know, I tend to become a leader just because of my work ethic and people, um, you know, leading by example. So that's kind of how that got established really uh i i wonder um though 
there's a lot of people in your company and many companies that work hard. Uh, but, but working hard isn't the only aspect of what it means to be a great leader. So now in this last few years, as you were being trained to take over the role, and now you're officially in the role as CEO, how have you earned the trust of other employees, particularly in this close family business? And uh, have you had any challenges along the way in, in that regard? I, I, honestly, there haven't been really any challenges. It's just, I don't, and that's a good question because I really don't know. And, you know, and that's the toughest part for me to speak on because I am just who I am. And uh, for some reason, naturally, I think just leadership abilities come to me and I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's my humility. Maybe it's just, you know, my even keel or my home, you know, being humble. But, you know, I'm just good with people and communicating and explaining why. And, you know, Tom's been great in that process, you know, kind of explaining that, you know, you're the leader. You have to be the best example in the company. You have to explain to people why you do things, why we don't do things. So it's just, you know, being easily approachable and understanding people and getting to know them personally. It's, you know, one thing to tell somebody you care about them, but it's another thing that, um, you know, show up. There's another example of kind of of Tasty and, um, you know, what kind of people we have. Um, my dad was, um, his basement got flooded. This was years ago. Um, and, you know, I was at work. There was a huge uh, rainstorm. And, um, you know, he had about, I think, a 10-foot ceilings in the basement. Literally, the water was all the way up there. And, um, you know, I went home from work obviously to help them out and about half an hour later there's about three vans of tasty catering employees off the clock coming to help mm. me you know i think that's another example of that day is you know i made a pact to myself and you know uh, i consider myself a tough guy but I'm, a tear might have you know rolled down my cheek um <laughs> that day but you know i kind of made my pact that you know i want to help everybody here and i you know i want to be that type of person to take care of everybody because they didn't have to come um you know some of them didn't even really know me back then um you know and it's just that family that's what kind of started it and, um you know and ever since that day i just wanted to you know create a better environment for everybody else is it at work you know with better benefits better paychecks better atmosphere so it's just something that i continue to hold on and um you know what keeps me driving that you know we're at a great place right now but how can we get it better how can we continue to make it better so that's just my challenge right now yeah it's always a, a continual road to improvement um if you think about uh this transition into this role can you reflect on i, I know it's only been a number of months but maybe a, a tough or humbling decision you've already had to make uh, wearing this new hat. Once again, I don't think there's anything that's tough. And, you know, I don't want to sound cliche, but, you know, our culture is what drives all our decisions. And, um, you know, and it's easy when you have it. It's a blueprint. You know, it's easy to look back at the culture and understand. And, you know, we make decisions as a team, too. So it's not all those decisions are up to me. But, you know, we just use the values as a blueprint um you know we had a client that we turned away where we did an event from them last year and they're a significant revenue and maybe somebody in the back that you know is new might be upset because that's a loss of hours and things like that but the client wasn't really compliant or didn't treat our staff with respect and that's something that we preach not just inside our organization we 
we preach that with our vendors, with our partners, with our clients, and we have fired clients. And, um, you know, there's been an instance recently where we said, hey, you know, we're not interested in repeating your business because, you know, the way you guys treat our employees is just not what we want to do. Um, you know, and they were kind of shocked about it because, like I said, you know, they were a, a pretty significant, um, you know, uh, investment or uh, revenue source for us. Um, but uh, we had to turn them away because, you know, we don't want to put our people in that type of way. And um, so that's kind of been the decision, but it wasn't hard. And, um, you know, I think Tom's had created a great blueprint that, you know, all our departments and organizations and groups, they run themselves and they have leaders there. My job is to make sure everybody's just held accountable. So, um, you know, I've came in at a great place and a great organization that Tom's created. And I just have to make sure that everybody, that I hold everybody accountable to the culture and continue it that way. So, Well, you're already putting your stamp on it in a big way, Cornell. If you think about um, not just the culture, but the uh, just the strategic challenges of the business today, just running the business, growing the business, what do you see as the company's greatest challenge right now? Um, you know, the looming recession and um, mm. catering, uh, you know, we're a add-on, we're not a necessity. You know, a lot of meetings happen and, you know, it's a bonus to have a catered event or a company picnic, family day or a gala or, you know, employee recognition or just a lunch to reward your staff. But, you know, we understand when the economy and a company's bottom line gets shrunk, that's where we get shrunk. So, um, you know, we have a... Uh, a council, which is called the Good to Great Council, which uh, has all the department uh, members of each department on there. And that's something we're having continuing uh, conversations. What do we do? How do we position ourselves? And um, as another thing that we do here at Tasty is, you know, open communication and uh, being transparent that, you know, we don't have all the answers and, you know, crowdsourcing information and having that conversation. What happens when it happens? What do we do? How do we proceed? Um, you know, how do we position ourselves right now? So, you know, we're, we're talking about currently, you know, how can we hoard cash? Because, you know, um, last recession that hit in 2009, we were able to buy two competitors. So it's just kind of these conversations that we have ongoing. That's my biggest concern um, currently. And plus, you know, uh, recruiting talent. We want to grow, um, but we want to grow the right way, as I mentioned. So we have to find the right people. And we don't look for skills as in, can you sell? Can you talk on the phone? We're looking for culture uh, culture fits. So, you know, it's an extensive, um, you know, interview process. And it's, you know, sometimes difficult to find the right type of people for that. Um, so that's another um, concern that I have with, you know, being unemployment being low, it's great for, you know, uh, the economy, it's great for everybody, but sometimes it's hard for businesses to find and recruit people. And, um, you know, that's another concern that I have going forward is how can we find the right people and give them those opportunities? Well, particularly in your business, because I don't know how seasonal it is, but I assume that there are busier times of the year, like now, kind of going into the summer, uh, and you probably have some really big events. So you're hiring some people who may not be full time or part time. Uh, and so it's uh, that's got to be a challenge in terms of maintaining the kind of culture that you've built. Correct. And then, you know, we always laugh because when people are partying and having fun, we're working. So, you know, a lot of folks don't like that. You know, sometimes it's long days, it's weekend work, it's, um, you know, depends on when the business is, we do it. So, yeah, that's, a you know, it takes a, um, you know, uh, 
I don't want to say different, but, you know, a, a special person to kind of come and work with us. And sometimes we think we're crazy what we do, but we love it. And, um, you know, that's why it's so great to build a company that has that great culture because, you know, uh, it gets tough sometimes. You know, we all work long hours, but, you know, if you have the people that you care about around you, you have a company and organization that cares about you and vice versa, it just makes it that much easier to wake up every day and come to work. You know, you've been participating now in the third year of the Small Giants, what we call Journey, a three-year program to kind of mold next generation or Small Giants leaders. I remember when you first showed up at the first session, you were in a room with a couple other next-gen leaders like yourself, but the rest of them were seasoned CEOs. What was that like uh, when you first showed up to that first uh, company visit, and and what have you what have you learned from uh, those that have maybe had a little bit more experience than you than you've had? I knew you were gonna ask that because you know I was scared. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, being younger and not that experienced, it was you know uh, uh, humbling and you know a little scary, and um, you know I didn't know how I was gonna fit in, and, um, but. You know, it's been an amazing experience. I think I am where I am because of that support. And, uh, you know, some of the guys on the journey right now are, you know, close friends, mentors. And I know I can pick up the phone and call them and talk through, uh, you know, any issues I have or things like that. And they just became lifelong friends. And that's why, you know, I think that's been a great opportunity for me. But I think the biggest thing that I learned is they're just normal people like everybody else. And, you know, sometimes we think that, you know, these successful people that run these huge companies, that they're robots or somebody that's special. No, they're all human beings like we are. And, um, you know, these companies struggle with some areas and they're good in some areas, too. And what was cool to find out is, you know, everybody's working to get better. And, um, you know, these great companies that we always think they're amazing, that they're perfect, you find out that they have the same problems we do day to day. And then, you know, in business, the cool thing is that there's always something to do. There's always something to work back on. So I think those are the key um, points that I learned. And obviously the knowledge and the expertise and the wisdom and, um, you know, kind of uh, all the businesses, you know, follow the principles of the small giants to, you know, create wealth for their employees to make it a better organization to you know enjoy life and you know be able to you know come to work and enjoy yourself and that's something cool to see and i'm glad that you know the community is getting bigger and that the word is word is spreading and it's just exciting to be a part of it and um experience it definitely well when i remember when when you first started in the program and uh, yeah we looked at you and michael from new fork and we're like oh god these guys look really nervous and uncomfortable and uh, <laughs> uh but over time you guys became the opposite you became not only comfortable but you were probably the most vulnerable in the group uh just so willing to learn so much so that i think the whole direction the community has taken has to has been to really focus on the difference that we can make in next generation leaders and to see you uh, during that time elevate your own position to become CEO of Tasty has just uh, brought us a great sense of pride as well. So uh, congratulations on all of the success. And gosh, there's so much more to come, Cornell. If um, uh, if there's an area of leadership that you see that you still need to improve upon, what would that be? 
um, putting myself out there more, um, you know, kind of my humility and my unwillingness and knowing that I'm the CEO and being the face of the organization, um, you know, kind of just being a champion of Tasty outside of Tasty. So attending more of the networking, speaking about Tasty, I think that's the biggest, uh, not maybe not challenge, just something that doesn't naturally come to me. And um, so I think that's the biggest thing that I need to work on is just communicating speaking better and you know kind of being more of a face of tasty outside the organization not just inside yeah and you know what i would say there if i could offer an opinion is that i think that all you need is a little bit of a dose of confidence because the way you communicate uh how genuine and articulate you are um how you speak in language etc is perfect and is all part of the story and and anybody that gets the opportunity to hear from you speak to you gets gets that from you and so uh as a as a fellow introvert who for years didn't want to get out from behind his desk uh either uh i realized that that was part of my responsibility is to tell the story of my company outside of my company as well as inside of my company and when you're passionate about it like you are uh, you tell a wonderful story. And so I encourage you to, uh, as I'm sure you're already doing, to get out there and do more of it because it's going to raise that level of confidence and do wonders for you and the company. Uh, definitely. I appreciate the um, tip. And yeah, I'm trying. And it's, yeah, it's not easy, but nothing worth it is easy. So definitely we'll do it. Yeah, I know you're up for the, the task no matter what. Um, so lastly, Uh, Cornell, what kind of advice would you give to someone else that's maybe just starting out in their career who listens to your story and would love to follow in a similar path? Be yourself. I think that's the biggest key that Tom and I had talked through this. It's, you know, a lot of, you know, companies and I'd done some interviews with magazine. It's, you know, um, and newspapers local just kind of obviously with the promotion and things like that. It was, you know, how are you going to fill Tom's shoes? And I think it's important to understand I'm never going to be Tom and I can't be Tom. And if I try to be Tom, I'm not going to be authentic. And once you're not authentic, people sense it. And then, um, you know, I think it does the opposite. So just being you and surround yourself with great people. And, um, you know, that's why I'm thankful to this day, Paul, for you and Small Giants and, you know, even the journey. I think that another experience was these guys welcomed me with open arms. And, um, you know, we were thinking that, you know, they're going to think we're just some Joe Schmo that we don't belong here. But these guys open up their arms. They open up uh, their phones, their inboxes, anything I we needed. They were there to support us. And. Um, you know, just surrounding yourself with the right people and focusing on culture and people. I think that's the biggest thing and, um, you know, working for it. Um, another thing that Tom has kind of been great is um, in this period is he allowed me to make mistakes. And, you know, um, he saw some things that he didn't like and he kept this, you know, uh, mouth uh, closed and he didn't point it out to me. And I know it was probably hard from him. And um, those were the biggest learning lessons, in my opinion, because he could have told me, hey, don't do it this way. But I learned and we both sat down and he looked at me. I was like, I know, Tom, I know. And, you know <laughs> those are the things that, um, you know, you can't teach somebody. And he always speaks, you know, he has the wisdom and the experience. And, um, you know, I'm younger, but, you know, I bring different things to the table than he does. But, you know, we all believe in the same thing. We all follow the same values. We're all a culture. And, 
um, you know, just surrounding yourself with great people and mentors and always asking for advice and taking that advice and running with it. That's been um, kind of the coolest thing that's been in my experience right now. Yeah. And you're great at that. Uh, and what an incredible story, Cornell. I want to end with these five quick hit questions like the association game. Maybe just tell me <laughs> the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, can you name a leader that you look up to? Um, obviously, Tom, uh, you know, there's just somebody that's been close to me and he's been a father figure to me. And it's just, you know, wherever he goes, there's just people that he remembers and people that he stops and talks to everybody. And um, it's just the impact he had, um, he has and will continue to have on, you know, the world. And, um, you know, anywhere we go, there's I go to a dentist office and around here and they're like, oh, you know, we know, Tom, you work at Tasty. So it's just the time and the effort and, you know, the pleasure he gets out of helping people is just something that's really, really cool to see that, you know, somebody that's successful, you know, is always willing to land a hand and everybody else in the community has been that way. But obviously, I'm, you know, I deal with Tom day to day. So it's just something that I want to um, kind of add to my repertoire and kind of be able to, you know, help a lot of folks out that, you know, are looking to follow my journey and, you know, how I can help folks um, how Tom helped me get to where I am. Well, I can't argue with that. Tom is a very special person and a, and a good friend. Um, how about a great book that influenced your leadership style? Um, not really that much in the books, but I think, you know, the good to great, um, uh, we based our model on it. So it's just something that it's close to me. And mm-hmm. um, you know, so that's something that I, I really suggest everybody reads if they're interested. Oh, yeah. It's a great, great book. Uh, how, what's your all-time favorite movie? Wow. That's tough. probably Bad Boys 2. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. Uh, I, I, no one's ever uh, asked me this because I asked the questions, but um, uh, one of probably mine is Pulp Fiction. And uh, I think it's today happens to be the 25th anniversary of that movie. So I was just reading online 25 uh, secrets about the making of Pulp Fiction, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, but uh, Bad Boys too. All right. Uh, how about a favorite TV series that you like to binge watch? I'm not much into TV, but sports. I watch basketball, football, um, and sometimes baseball. Anytime that's on any sport or any team that plays. So I'm more into sports than TV shows. Okay, cool. Lots to watch. Um, all right. And lastly, what's something about you that many people don't know? Um, I'm trilingual, so I do speak Spanish, Polish, and English. Wow. Good for you. Um, now, I don't know if this is pronounced right, but I think um, my dad taught me Yachin Kohem is I love you in Polish. Is that close? <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, you're perfect. All right. <laughs> Uh, well, I love you, Cornell. Uh, you are just so wonderful, uh, and I'm so proud of you. Uh, I want to reflect on a few of the things that you said um, along the way that I that I took away. Um, I loved how you said we need to create more Dannys, and you talked about Raul later on. I mean, the stories that you told were really about the people in your business and the impact they've had on each other and the customer, and that just is something that's so important for people to hear. Um, and how, how you really integrated 
into the family at Tasty that just because you're not blood doesn't mean you're not family. I think that's just incredible and that, that, that that's been able to be accomplished. You know, kudos not just to you, but to Tom and the whole family uh, for bringing you and everybody into the fold that way. Uh, I love how you really learned your work ethic from your mom when she was raising you in Poland and also learned responsibility from your dad. And even though you kind of went kicking and screaming, sometimes he just put you to work, taught you about leadership as a responsibility. Um, and I think kind of being coming over from Poland and working as hard as you did, you had this real competitive edge. And uh, when people maybe questioned your abilities or said, you know, you can't do it, uh, that just made you want to do it more. Uh, and even though maybe you went through a, a bit of a tougher time at, later on in high school and college or um, broke away from your dad a little bit, those were all important lessons for you that ultimately landed you um, through uh your relationship with uh, Tom's niece to get a job at Tasty Catering. And and even though you came from a bad situation with the bank, you saw that this idea that a company could be culture-focused and values-driven was, was something that could actually be a reality day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year. Uh, and, and, uh, and I loved how that your drive was simply because, as you said, you wanted more and you were willing to ask for more. And that's a great, important lesson for people. Um, and, uh, and your advice for others that, uh, if you put yourself out there, if you are yourself, remain yourself, uh, you don't apologize for who you are. And that's made you a very humble and special leader going forward. And I can't wait to see what the next chapter it is, is for you. Uh, and I know there's so much more to come. So, um, thank you so much for, for joining me today, Cornell. Of course, Paul. And, you know, thank you. And, you know, I love you too. And I appreciate you and the community and what you guys have helped me become. And, you know, I, allow, I, um, I owe a lot of my uh, where I am today to you guys. And, you know, I'm excited to be part of this and share my story. And um, obviously, if anybody's interested out there, um, you guys can reach me at Cornell at TastyCatering.com. And, you know, I'm here to help whoever I want and or whoever needs it. And I appreciate everything and the support from you guys. Oh, thanks so much. And uh, we're so happy to learn from, from you as well, especially today, Cornell. And uh, thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please support the show by subscribing to hear future episodes. Until next time.